0: It's time to reveal the prize and clue start dates for Cycle Search 2022 presented by Total Media along with the Tri-State Power Sports Superstore Honda Suzuki Polaris Can-Am of Jackson. This year's prize is a KO250 dirt bike along with an accessory package valued over $4,500. That's right, a KO250 dirt bike. Clues begin on Monday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. There'll be one clue each day Monday through Friday till the prize pack is found. Pack is hidden somewhere in the listening area. Be safe when searching and good luck. It's Cycle Search 2022 sponsored by Total Media and Honda Suzuki Polaris Can-Am of Jackson. Jackson. Comedy returns to Park's Edge Event Center just in time for Valentine's Day. Grab a loved one, your friends, and your family, and enjoy a night of food, drinks, and laughs with Karen Jaffe and Andy Frampton. Tickets are on sale now at EnjoyParksEdge.com. Get your tickets for the best Valentine's Day since your crush left that note in your locker your freshman year. It's Valentine's Day Comedy, Saturday, February 12th. Tickets on sale now at EnjoyParksEdge.com.
1: Hey, this is Pete Wilson, and welcome to the Friday morning edition of the Main Street Morning TV show. And today, we're just two days away from the 56th annual Super Bowl, and it's a special one for area fans because our own Cincinnati Bengals, our geographic favorite, is in the Super Bowl for the first time since 1988. And another reason that it's special is because a gentleman from southeastern Ohio who played and starred at nearby Athens High School, went on to win the Mr. Football Award in high school, the Heisman Trophy in college. He now has the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Of course, I'm talking about Joe Burrow. And we are dedicating this Antar show on this Friday morning, just 48 hours away from the Super Bowl, to a discussion of the Cincinnati Bengals and, in particular, Joe Burrow. And with me today for this occasion is my broadcasting partner, Dan Morrow, also a Bengals fan like myself, and in the middle, a man who knows probably more about football than anyone in Jackson County, and that is the Jackson Ironmen's head coach, Andy Hall, the winningest coach in Jackson high school history, and still just a young guy at that. (laughs) But uh, we'll uh, we'll preface it by saying that Dan Morrow and I are Bengal fans all the way back to when they started in
2: 1968. That means that we're long-suffering fans. There was a 14-year window there between <laughs> playoffs and any significant wins. and uh, But in 68, I jumped over, been a Browns fan all my life, which hadn't been too many years, thank goodness. But that had been you know 13 years. At age 13, I decided to become a Bengal fan, mainly because Paul Brown was setting up this Bengal team. And the excitement of them coming to Cincinnati, and the fact was our Channel 3 local networks – we're playing the Bengals games a lot more than the Browns games. So it was fun to watch. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tell you what, uh, if you're a Bengal
1: fan and you go way back, you know that uh, it's there's been a lot of misery, a lot of losing in there. <laughs> and I looked at the statistical probability, Dan. I looked at the actuarial tables that the life insurance people uh, use and figured that the Bengals are not due to be back in the Super Bowl for another 27 years, which means you and I will be dead. No, <laughs> so, I'm planning on being there. Okay.
2: Well, <laughs> we're gonna celebrate. I got an artificial hip two years ago and the doctor said, you've got 25 years on that hip. I said, I need 30, I need 30 <laughs> okay. to 35 because I want the Reds in the World Series and the Bengals back in the Super Bowl. Bengals beat me to it.
1: Okay, ever, ever the optimist, Dan Morrow. But of course, the reason I have Coach Hall here is not only uh, is he the head coach of the Ironmen, but uh, he coached against Joe Burrow uh, on the high school level when Joe was starring at, at Athens High School. And of course, uh, all Joe did, uh, as I said before, was win the Mr. Football Award his senior year. He took the Bulldogs uh, all the way to the Div- Division Three state championship game. They lost to Toledo Central Catholic 56 to 52. All he did was pass through 446 yards and six touchdowns that night. And uh, and of course, you knew then. Uh, you knew probably before then that he was going to be a very special player beyond high school. But uh, coach will open it up through you on that. Uh, you played against Joe uh, his sophomore and junior seasons. They were not in our conference, so we didn't play. Uh, we didn't play him in in his senior year when he was at his very best. But way back when, in when he was a sophomore and a junior, I know they had an outstanding team. But did you have any idea? that he would do what he has done at the upper
3: levels? Well, you know, not really. I knew, You knew he was a special player. I mean, you have to really go back to his freshman season uh, when he didn't get the starting job. You know, Athens was you know had a run at athletes where, you know, as a freshman he couldn't get on the football field. But him and the Lorman twins, who are his best friends, uh, they were on the freshman team. And we played them at the Alumni Stadium that year. Uh, that would have been Gabe Griffiths, Reagan Williams, uh Derek Meredith, or or I'm sorry, um, not Derek Meredith, but, you know, those guys' freshman season and probably was the most exciting freshman game you'd ever seen. I think both teams were in the 40s. They couldn't stop us. We couldn't stop them. Uh, And at that point, you knew that they had some skill kids coming. Uh, His sophomore season, he got the starting job. Of course, he plays at the Alumni Stadium again. um, It was a great football game. It was a 14-all game going into late in the third quarter. Um, he took off on about a 60-yard touchdown run to make it 21-14. And then fourth quarter, we kind of went back and forth. We threw an interception in the end zone right at the end of the game. But um, it was a great contest. You know, It was one of those deals where you know you could see that he can make plays. And ironically, his sophomore year, it wasn't his throwing ability that got us beat. It was his running ability. I think he ran for over
2: 100 and some yards that statistics, night. Statistics, 161 yards rushing two touchdowns. We held him to 132 yards passing. You're right. And that's it, pretty good number. That was good. Very few times he was under 200 yards right. ever in his career. Yeah. yeah, and so
3: that's been a long time ago. Yes, but uh, it has been but I know that, you know, after the game we felt like that we had done some things to to win the ball game, but then his legs took over and and you know end up with a, with a victory for them. So, you know, at that point he was on the map. I, I, a lot of people had heard about what was going on. Um, they, you know they had a running back that had that transferred in because his dad was an assistant coach at OU. The Williams kid who ended up going on to play at Northwestern, Northwestern. Uh, as a defensive back, but was probably one of the best running backs in the state of Ohio that quick year as quick. well. Ooh. Yes, you know. and Then they had a little slot receiver. And I can't remember his his name. He was you know he was originally an Athens kid. But they had four receivers as good as as you would want, and then they had the running back. So it wasn't like he was doing it by himself either. He had
2: some weapons around him. Well, I, it was I, such I, a unique collection of talent that Athens High School would get. Obviously, the was. biggest move for Athens High School ever was when his father was named the defensive coordinator two years earlier than that right. at Ohio University. What a move. What Look how that changed Athens history. Right. You know, whether their field is being named, their stadium, their, their weight rooms, all those kind of things. But that move, <laughs> that hiring of Ohio University for his father... That was huge. Yeah, I there think that
1: I heard that Joe came, the family moved there when Joe was in the third grade, something like that. But the Burrow family originally, I believe, is from Nebraska.
3: Right. You know, his his father, Jim, which a lot of people know, and I've been a good friend of mine for many years, um, you know, he played in Nebraska, was an All-American, played in the Canadian League for a little while, so he's got some professional experience as well. Both the older boys played at Nebraska, <laughs> were both defensive <laughs> players. Um, and so, you know, Joe being a quarterback, I think, and again, I'm getting this from talking to, you know, to Jim this summer, uh, he came and spoke to our kids, uh, for a pregame meal and just kind of getting the, the history of their family a little bit, you know, they're not original Ohio guys, but, um, you know, he mm-hmm. settled here, you know, back when Joe was young and, and so coming through the program, you know, like I said, by after his sophomore year, you knew the kid was going to be special. And then, you know, we go off to his junior year. We had a we had a uh, you know good football team again going up there they were undefeated, Um, and at that time, really felt like we had a good shot, Uh, but ended up becoming the worst loss that I've experienced as a head coach here at Jackson. You know, forty nine to nothing victory for them. Uh, They ran on all cylinders. We couldn't stop them running and throwing, and we got some tape up here of that junior season. Uh, But again. You know, start off with his feet. You know, being able to move. You know, things that you you saw actually. You know, two Sundays ago, getting out of the pocket, and making things happen. He did that in high school. You know, play right here where we having dead rights, and he gets a 15 yard gain uh, to get the ball inside the you know the red zone. And then the next play, he's going to to roll out again out of getting out of pressure, you know, flip it over a kid's head, and score a touchdown. So you know, he was making plays like that the entire year. Um, you know, and again with just something, you know, where we tried to, to defend them in the past and they give it to the tailback and he he had in this game rushed for about an eighty yard touchdown run. I mean, it was just it was a miserable experience. Uh and they did a great job against us that night. And you, you probably I don't know if you have the we stats, were, but yeah,
2: I got well he's got I him again. <laughs> Sorry about this. <laughs> yeah. He was 15 of 20 throwing the football for 334 yards and three touchdowns. Actually didn't run for near as much, but, Mm -hmm. you know, he he made it look easy throwing it over the top. And, you know, like we said, very special receivers along with him. But you could tell this boy's going to be pretty special. And the neat thing Mm -hmm. is, you know, he beat other people a lot worse than that at times. He, He had huge games his junior and senior years. Where I'm sure he played very few fourth quarters.
3: Yeah, you're right. And, you know, again, his his you know, growing up with those guys, they did a great job of getting open, kinda of like you see in the NFL, where if he's rushed, he's able to find that open receiver. And and I think probably the biggest thing that makes him different, and we saw this in high school, is his accuracy. You know, everyone questioned his, you know, how far can he throw it? How strong is his arm? How fast is he really? You know, and again, at the end of the day, can you get the ball to the people you're trying to throw the ball to? And I think that's the thing that makes him unique is he's fast enough. He throws his arms strong, strong enough. enough, but the thing is he's accurate. And, you know, of course, in the NFL, it's all about accuracy at that point. You know, we we you know we talk about in quarterback training that, you know, we have 18-inch windows in high school we throw to, basically it's shoulder to shoulder. That's the hallways we throw down. In college, it goes down about 10 inches in the nfl at six inches you know so you know you're not throwing open receivers in the nfl you're basically anticipating that and making throws and hoping they make the plays and um you know you're seeing him do that now uh he's a, he has a special talent and it's you know it's unique to say like a lot of us in this southern ohio area they had a chance to coach or play against him that um you know to see him on sundays is a special time
2: we played three years in high school and his stats were amazing, threw for over 11,000 yards, threw for 157 touchdowns, but he only threw for 17 interceptions. And the one stat I like <laughs> about that one, Coach Hall's teams had two of those. <laughs> so you got to take, yeah. take that as a plus.
3: Right. And, you know, and again, that you're trying to put him in difficult spots, but, you know, he was able in high school and, you know, teams were starting to do the no huddle and, and call the plays live scrimmage. Uh, but I think. You know, Football it, was changing. It was right changing then. at that it time. Really and changing. not everyone was doing what they were doing. Well, you know, what you see, like you go back and watch the films now, not everyone does could, that. Right. But like, you know. Right. Everyone is doing a lot of the no huddle spread stuff now, which is not unique. But what was unique back then is, you know, look at the, they look at the sideline, called coach looks at the defense, calls a play, he can make the checks he wanted to. He audible quite a bit. And now all of a sudden they're always in a good play. And now, again, in 2021, you see a lot more of that. You know, we've experimented with that the last few years as well in our no-huddle offense. But, you know, back then, not everyone did that, and they made it look very, very easy.
2: Well, I saw today on Facebook where Joe sent his high school coach Super Bowl tickets, oh, which, wow. what a gift. And if he'd have just moved 40 yards, 40 miles the other way, you might be <laughs> headed to the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's, you know, he's he, he hasn't forgot his background, which is so special. Mm-hmm. And we all remember, the, in my mind, the greatest Heisman Trophy speech I've ever right. heard. Um, right. You were mesmerized listening to him and his composure. And when you watched him give that speech and talk about Southeast Ohio, and within minutes raising $450,000 for the Athens County Food Bank, well, you could kind of tell this guy is special. This guy, right. his, his composure there in front of the TV camera and everything... And that's the way he kind of feels like when he's back here, in and in, in they're coming at him from all sides, yeah. and he's standing there in the pocket, waiting till the last second. Takes a lot of sacks because he's trying to make that play every time. But wow, what composure that young man has! And uh, we were just blessed to be able to watch what little we got to in his career.
3: Right, and you know, I know that watching the state championship game, probably one of the best high school games I'd ever seen, ever watched. You know, and like you said, Tleio Catholic. The and yeah. it the was last, cold right? that
2: night. Yes, it was to throw that kind of, throw the ball that way as cold as it was. I remember mean, that being a freezing night.
3: Right, and and again, it was at the horseshoe mm-hmm. where attendance, because it seats one hundred ten thousand, you know, you could have thirty thousand that stadium, and it doesn't look no anywhere close to being uh, at capacity. But that night, there were so many people from Southern Ohio that came to watch and support that team, mm-hmm. you know. And, again, I know a lot of times we have rivals. You know, we, we, we have teams that we want to beat really bad or maybe worse than others. Uh, but I think, you know, when you get teams in this area that go far, I think you had to root for all of them. Um, and I think, you know, that year people you know were supporting them. Um, you know, his senior year, you know, we were one game away from playing them in the regional finals. And if you recall, the sales beat us in a heartbreaker over at Chill Coffee. Yep. Uh, his senior year the next week they're playing uh Desales in the regional championship i think it was at Logan wasn't it i think it was um, at Logan
2: it might have been i just remember it's like a 35 to 14 win right. or something that they were able to take and that was a good Desales team right and i, I knew i you know. know my son Bryce and i i drove him over to watch him.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, you know and he was a sophomore that year um, to watch them play and it was just a, and that was a great game at that point, but then in the state championship game, we were up there watching it as well, and, and it was, as you said, who had the ball last, right. and unfortunately, you know, they had a play. I forget, that we were in the end zone where uh, the kid, one of the kids from Athens had a chance to intercept the ball late in the game and, you know, couldn't make the play, and then two plays later, they scored mm-hmm. uh, late in the fourth quarter to win the game.
1: What I remember about that game, seeing the clips, I didn't see it live, was that he was under a fierce pass rush the whole game. He did right. that. Under a lot of pressure, Toledo Central Catholic probably stronger on the line and so forth. I think they rushed for 500 yards. You would think when you can do that and rush uh, the opposing quarterback like that, you would win by more than four points. But that just shows you how good Athens was and how good Joe Burrow was. Coach, when we when I interviewed you earlier in the week about Burrow for a a newspaper column that I'm going to have coming out, you used the word cerebral to describe Joe Burrow, and I know that you've coached for a long time and you kind of specialize in quarterbacks. You've had some good ones here at Jackson High School. On the cerebral side, what does a quarterback have to have beyond the physical ability to succeed, and how does that relate to Joe Burrow on what you saw from him and what you see or are seeing from
3: him as a pro? Well, I think you, you have to understand that during the game, they, there's so much information they need to process in and, and pre-snap and during the post-snap because um, things can change. You know, a lot of kids can draw things up on a board and draw up plays, but can you relate that to the, to the game field on Friday nights when what I call the bullets are flying at you? And one of the things that, again, playing against him, you know, we tried to blitz him, we tried to do a lot of coverage things. He was always able to make the right read. You know, whether we changed coverages or maybe we brought one more guy than they could block, he was always able to hit the hot receiver. He was always to hit the guy in the seam. And, you know, even you watch – you know, games on TV. You know, it was a report that uh, maybe it been two weeks ago or a couple you know, here in the playoffs, his headset went out or his earpiece and his helmet went out. So he couldn't hear all the play calls. So for a series, he called his own plays. You know, how difficult would that be just at the spur of the moment to be able to have to make that transition and to move the team down the field. So, you know, I knew he had a lot of flexibility in high school. You could tell by the way they called their plays. Uh, and in college, Of course, he was in some great systems there as well, and and it just always putting yourself in a a good situation. And I think he's been able to do that. When you watch him, um, he was a heck of a player to try to defend. And of course, as you see in college, a lot of our guys had a lot a lot more trouble to defend him as well. Did
1: Athens uh, in high school? Did they have a, a complicated offense where the quarterback? Was expected to make a bunch of reads uh, or even audibles. Could well, you I, remember that?
3: No, I think a lot of it came from the sideline because again, no huddle. The coach would make the call depending on what we were lined up in, and then he could make the adjustments to that as the game went on. So I think as he got older, they gave him a little more flexibility. But again, he had you know a set of twins out there that could could see things as well. You know, both were six six and could run, uh, could make plays. And
2: like i said his his footwork you know the fact that you know, in another he had out. a back good enough it's not like you could empty out the trenches right you had to keep people inside too so right because right. he had a division one running back oh, that makes you know, such again, a
3: difference in his junior year he had probably hundred and some yards rushing himself so um you know i think being able to you know make the right decision mm-hmm. and at the end of the day when when those bullets are flying and things are happening within you know, two and a half seconds, sometimes a second and a half to get rid of the football, for the least amount of mistakes you see him make tells you that he
2: understands what's going on out there. I got a, something I have to throw at you, Coach, because I thought you would appreciate this, being a football coach, and you understand how important special people are on a football team. Mm-hmm. I was watching Trent Dilford this week on – espn or wherever it was and they were interviewing him and he was a quarterback that won a super bowl wasn't greatly talented but won a super bowl with the baltimore ravens years ago but really seems like a, a really neat guy and when he talks he knows what he's talking about he says joe burroughs has dq abilities and he kind of said dq are you talking about you know hamburgers <laughs> yeah. and ice cream and whatever there <laughs> uh, or or what was he meeting like he says dude qualities dude qualities he makes every dude in the locker room better. And I thought, wow, that's special. We've had some like that. Right? I thought we had one this year. He got a knee blown out middle yeah. of the season for you on there. Right? He has that kind of quality. You don't want to talk about Evan Spires, one of my favorite kids. But uh, Joe Burrow has dude qualities. And I thought, what a neat statement that was. I'd never heard that description, but he does. He makes the Cincinnati Bengals program, whether you're the guy painting the field or you're Doing anything involved in the whole system or the players, everybody's a little better all of a sudden this year, and you can just feel it.
3: Right, and I think that's
2: what leaders do.
3: You know, I think you know you hear that all the time, especially at the quarterback position, about making people around you better. You know, Mm -hmm. that's not unheard of to be to to hear that statement, but to see it happen, like you see it with again a franchise that struggled for for so many years with a lot of young kids, you know, young coaching staff. Now all of a sudden you take a team that's won two or three ball games, and now you're in a Super Bowl. Well, how does mm-hmm. that happen? Well, I mean, it comes from great leadership. And, again, he's not the only leader on that football team. But, you know, to be able to incorporate everyone into the offense, make everyone feel like they're important in the scheme and, and so forth, you know, I think you, know, you got to see that in college, you know, at LSU. I mean, my mm-hmm. God, oh, probably boy. one of the best offensive teams Maybe in the history of college football, maybe the best team right? in the history of college football, and you know that didn't come by just one or two people, but he's the trigger guy that made all that work. And so, you know, I think, you know, for the Bengals to see that type of leadership is is unbelievable, and to make a team that hasn't
2: been very good good very quickly is, Once is again, incredible. We're thankful Joe's dad came to OU. You know, I think right. in two thousand and five, whatever, right. whatever it was when he came there, that made such a difference for Athens High School. Uh, you know, an LSU and now the Bengals. But how about the fact that uh, we go back in basketball, we forget about that he was such a good basketball player. And I have a few stats here. He played Jackson five times or four times in basketball. And, and this wasn't the only team he did this to. But we remember these games. I, I re- remember watching him play. He defeated Jackson by a score of 77 to 36, 76 to 52, 78 to 36, and fifty-two to twenty-two, he and all these other same brothers and everything—they were a very good basketball team. He 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 was first-team all-state his senior year in basketball. Very good on the basketball floor, which tells you a little bit. Great athletes in football. A lot of recruiters like to see him play basketball right. because you can see a little more of their athletic ability out there. And you could see that with Joe. They went sixty-one and twelve over his three seasons. But the big thing in the Tri Valley Conference which Venton County and our friends up there have owned for many many years, they went 29 and two they went eight and two his sophomore year then they had two undefeated years in the Tri Valley Conference you can see that leadership that ability everything bled over into the basketball season also
3: right and I remember his senior year and you know, I know his dad told, told me this story that you know a lot of those you know big time football players will, will graduate early come in the spring mm-hmm. and you know not play winter or spring sports. And I remember, I guess he told Coach Meyer at the time that I'm playing high school basketball. I'm playing my senior year because I knew they were going to be really good. You know, all all his buddies were back. Um, And I thought that was was pretty neat that, you know, in in an era of time where everyone bolts as soon as they can individually and a lot of times leave teammates behind. You know, he's telling Ohio State, "No, I'm going to be here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish my basketball career." You know, I think speaks volumes of what kind of leader he is. Yeah, and but teammate, and, and teammate, yeah, and, right. and,
2: and growing up with your best friends, right? That were you said his best right. friends—they've been playing toss since they were in third and fourth grade together. Right. And so a lot of things left to do. And it, and they had great seasons and great seasons in basketball. Obviously, the football is what made everything famous on there. Went right. to Ohio State. You know, We've gotten kind of a little bit through that high school area, but moving to high State, very interesting with Coach Urban Myers, recruiting Joe's. Right. At first, you weren't sure Ohio State, how interested they were. And then it seemed like out of the blue. That offer came and Joe immediately accepted on there. And granted, how many times have we all talked it over? What in the world were we thinking never starting Joe Burroughs at Ohio State in his three years? But let's be honest, in three years, he went to Ohio State, had to sit behind J.T. Barrett, pretty Great intrigued career, there at, right? a, at Ohio State. And then that decision came that where he actually breaks a thumb in the spring. Right. You just wonder how that would have changed for high State history had he not. Then it was Dwayne Haskins who kind of took the lead on that job right. when he was going to be, know he was going to be a backup the next year. He decided to uh, transfer after he would got a degree within three years, which is right. also pretty special. It's pretty neat. Right. This week he said multiple times he he was still very proud to have been an Ohio State graduate. So, right,
3: and and I think in being a Buckeye as much as he loved being you know playing for LSU, you know he's an Ohio kid. And I think a lot of, you know, when he got that Mr. Football Award, I think that really, you know, caused high State to have to make a decision. We better do something. Yeah, he's yeah. the best player in the state of Ohio, and we're not going to offer him. Yeah. Um, you know, I think an interesting story, and I, I saw this on TV, and I asked his dad about this uh, a year or two ago. And, and um, I remember probably his, his sophomore year in the spring game, I noticed I was watching the game. He was the only quarterback that wasn't in a uh, different color jersey, which means you're not supposed to hit the quarterback. He was in a game jersey. And he was the only quarterback that was live and he got the crap beat out of him yeah. for four quarters and kind of find out afterwards they wanted to see how tough he was but it was interesting he was the only quarterback that was live and he had the best spring practice mm-hmm. out of all the quarterbacks and i think that that showed a lot of people here you know in southern ohio that probably doubted what can this kid play at Ohio state which a lot of kids in our area that make it big time always get questioned, well, you know, he can't play at this such, such university because he's from Southern Ohio. I think people realize, yeah, this kid's a real deal. And I think if it wasn't for the broken thumb that he had the next year, which he was competing for the starting job, you know, things could have been different. But, you know, it all worked out for him, and, and it definitely worked out for both LSU and Ohio State as well.
2: I wonder, you know, we'd love to know the inside. Obviously, when he decided he's going to transfer, what – Got him to LSU with Coach O. I mean, what a great situation yeah. it was, and probably saw maybe some of the recruits LSU was getting in within that time frame. But I just, just curious from Ohio state to LSU, an interesting jump, right?
3: Yeah, it is. And but again, it worked out for. Oh my. It worked out for those guys, and um, you know, again, it was nice to see. And again, we're always root for people and our kids in this area that can make, go off to play college. Whatever sport, and again, whatever division—I don't care if it's Division One, Two, Three, NAIA—you know, you, you support those kids because as, the, as they as they become successful, it helps recruiting in the other areas and other schools. And so, you know, he was one, of course, was the big name, but again, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of fun watching a lot of those kids go through the programs. Yeah.
2: Well, we were and we were talking a little earlier about Reagan Williams playing on mm-hmm. the same field with right. him. You know, it's those kind of young people that get people to look back at Southeast Ohio. Right. If you don't have a Reagan Williams from Jackson, a Traylon Davis from Jackson, these people that, you know, which we're so blessed to have earned big time Division One scholarships. Right. Athens had a handful of them there. But that's, right. you know, now, hey, I remember Athens High School. I remember Jackson High School. Mm-hmm. They, they've got good players down there. And that's mm-hmm. important. And that's very special for this area because we do get overlooked sometimes.
3: Oh, I think so. And that's something that when recruiters come in, you know, now I've been here 13 years, one of the things I'm, I'm proud of, just to speak up for our program, is our kids have stayed. You know, and that hasn't mm-hmm. always been the case in Southern Ohio. Um, and so when recruiters come in and they're looking at Jackson kids, uh, you know, they know these kids are going to stick it out and they're going to play at whatever level. You know, and I think that's, you know, something that, again, as mm-hmm. as more and more kids – Compete, stay. Again, it doesn't have to be just football. Then it helps all the younger generations coming through that now they can see I I can be there. You know, this kid started where I'm at. Now I can use that as a platform to, as long as I'm willing to work, to give myself an opportunity.
1: Right. Well, Coach, uh, you've coached uh, here for, what, 12 or 13 years now? Just finished 13. Okay. And, of course, uh, have been around football nearly your whole life. Right. So, uh, tough question. Maybe you can't even answer it, but how does Joe Burrow stack up with the other high school players you've played with coached against
3: or coached? Well, I mean, he's definitely right up, high school right, right up there. But, you know, like we talked about, you know, earlier in the week, you know, we played Witten Woods, you know, uh, you know, my son's senior year in 2016, you know, they had two kids go out to go to Ohio state. One kid go to Kentucky. Um, you know those two of the kids high state just played this year finished their senior years this year, um, you know they were they were fabulous. Uh, you look back at uh, St. Charles High School, which we were when it, were in a dogfight with those guys back in 2011. You know they had two or three Division One kids that were just fabulous on the on the football field as seniors. Um, you know DeSales Waterson. I mean it's it's kind of hard to tell I me mean, he's definitely one of the best by far and has had the best career, but. You know, we've seen some we've seen some good ones in high school, and uh and have coached against a bunch of them. And and again, that's that's a good opportunity for us. You know, it's a great experience. Um, I tell you, I go. I just goes back a long way. My my first year, my only year, I coached my dad at Wittersburg, and back in nineteen uh, ninety three, uh, we, we 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 played against some really good kids um uh, against Ironton and some of those guys. But I tell you what, back my Sophomore year in high school, I'm going to go way back, uh, a man by the name of Carlos Snow, who played at Ohio State, um, was on the football field with him as a player. And never – and Vinny Clark, who played wide receiver, played Ohio State with a captain, played for the Green Bay Packers. Those two guys, I could say, as as a player, coach, spectator, were the two best kids I'd ever seen in high school football. I remember uh, after the game – they were all signing autographs to our fans. Mm -hmm. We were playing at Whizber that year in the first round of the playoffs, and uh, they made a run in the tournament back those four years. Unbelievable. But I think, you know, those two players probably as as a player, uh, the two best I've ever
2: seen. But, um, you know, he's definitely up there by far. Okay. That's for sure. All right. And I'll go back there. Pete and I, you know, go back decades on decades. And I can remember watching high school football, at least in this immediate area from about 1968, 69 on and understanding it pretty well and seeing the players. And I remember being in that cubicle broadcasting the game that Joe beat us 49 to nothing and sitting up there and saying, you know, there's 22 players on the field, but one guy stands out amongst the other 21, right? He was, he had that. But I, I will say in my career of all the games I've watched, Arch Leister's the best high school player I ever saw. I right. thought he was a little more physically mature than Joe was at that age. Obviously, careers went extremely opposite directions on their high school. I mean, Art had a great career at Ohio State, but you know, obviously had his own demons on there that he couldn't overcome. But he was, he was so special – And he was that one. There's one guy out there and there's 21 other players and they all look like they're running around and here he's just controlling action. Art was that way, but in my mind, but Joe's right up there also. I mean, he was special. But Joe's jump from his fourth year out at LSU, became the quarterback at LSU, they, he turned them around and they went 10 and 3 that year. The first year he finally got a start in college. And it, it was a good year, but not a good year. A good year. year. He threw right. for 16 touchdowns. Dwayne Haskins up at Ohio State threw for 50. And, you know, so there was nobody saying, Boy, we should have kept Burroughs. We should have kept right. Burroughs. Well, the next year he throws for 60. <laughs> yeah. And they go 15 and 0 and probably maybe had the greatest quarterbacking year in the history of college football, and also the team might have been as good as any college team in the history of college football. LSU is fifth year out there. I think Joe matured a little slower than maybe right. some of these athletes did, and he just keeps getting better, stronger, and more you know involved, it seems like, seeing the game and feeling the game and being able to take the punishment he takes. Right. You know, the Bengals led the league in sacks, <laughs> and that's a tough one. Yeah. And there's going to be some time – Sunday afternoon or evening, I guess it'll be, you're going to watch Aaron Donald just bull rush one of our guards and be right in Joe's face, whether hopefully Joe can get rid of the ball or take the hit and get up. You know, right. every time he takes one of those hits, I just say, "Please get up, please right. get up," and because that would change Bengal history real quick if he stayed down. And-, well, and I
3: think, you know, when you when you talk about the game coming up and all the analysts and everyone on on sports talk radio, I think everyone agrees that that's probably going to be the key to the game is to try to keep him healthy. Yes, you know, I think we watched NFC Championship game. You know, those front four down line that the Rams have are incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible, it's and maybe the best player in football for us is is playing on that D line. Yes. So, you know, I think if if they can control those guys enough, you know, can can you know the Bengals get the ball out of his hands quick enough to where he doesn't take those hits? Um, because you know those are train wrecks every time. Oh, there's a collision. It does seem
2: like after the Tennessee game where he took the nine sacks, which is an unbelievable yeah. number, to still win a game and be upright and be, you know <laughs> keep getting up on those pileups. You know, the next game they did try to get it out of his hands a little quicker, a little more quick, quick routes, throw to the backs a little bit more. You know, I would assume they're going to have to do that because the Rams are going to be there. Yeah. I mean, they, and they won't have to blitz to get no. to him. That's going to be the scary thing. But right? Joe does have a feel. Right. He just has a feel for where to go with that football and get it there. And as you said, that six-inch window, he seems to have the ability to put it in there. No, right. He's very resilient, which yes. you know is another quality of a of a great athlete.
1: But we'll talk more about on the pro side, but there was one more high school comparison I wanted to make, Coach, and you're qualified to make it. Mr. Drew Novak, quarterback at Western Brown. We played against him several years, and last year, talk about a storybook season, broke all the passing yardage record. We played him twice, very close games, lost to him twice. Uh, He can run the ball. He can certainly throw the ball. How would you compare Mr. Novak with Mr. Burrow?
3: Well, you know, he's 6'6". He's a little taller. Um, he's not – he doesn't weigh as much. Um, I think Joe has more breakaway speed. Uh, the Novak kid, again, runs good enough. You know, he's able to get three or four yards for a first down. He's not going to take off and go 50 yards. You know, and you see on the in the clips, you know, John, Joe can do that and did that against us. But um, there are some comparisons, you know, the fact that he, he broke all the records, can throw the football – uh, very accurate, you know, and I think people around the state maybe question his arm talent and as well. Uh, but again, he may not be able to throw it 80 yards, but you don't have to if you, if you can hit hit spots. Um, like you said, we had two great games against them this year. He'll be back at, you know, we him a alumni stadium stadium. next year (laughs) with a lot of his kids coming back. So I know that'll be a
2: big game. Get your tickets early for that one, folks. Exactly. That should be a full house that night. It should be. You're going to get to see a very good Jackson Ironman team take on one of the very best quarterbacks in the Midwest.
3: Right. You know, he'll have a lot of fanfare coming in this season because of all those records. But, uh, you know, he's tough. You know, I – going into his sophomore year you know we were able to beat up on him a little bit and you know going into this year thought that that would be the same thing he showed a sign of toughness that we were kind of surprised in that first matchup and and he took some hits and and, and kept on going and and in the, in the regional semifinal game you know he didn't hurt as, as much with his legs but uh he stood there and makes some great throw so there are some comparisons for sure um course you know work ethic you know you don't understand i don't know how this kid will develop going into his senior year i know i watched joe develop from his sophomore to his senior year each and every year and got a lot better you know i think that you know i would think this kid would do that you know because he's got a lot of momentum going into his senior year uh he's he got well, a good coaching staff behind him he's got some good kids to throw the ball to so but the expectations would be a lot higher for him you know understand now there is no secrets everyone knows what this kid's about uh, but there were times in the last two those two games this fall that I did have some flashbacks uh, of of what you know Burrow was able to do against us and and so we're hoping to hopefully defend you know the Novak kid better than we did this past year. But uh, again, it'd be a great challenge, and it's what high school football is about to fun contest.
1: Right. Okay. All right. Well, as far as the the pro season has gone, uh, you know, Joe Burrow going to the pros with what he did in college, you know, it wasn't surprising. Mm-hmm. That he was the first round draft choice, the very first pick in the draft by the Bengals, who uh, probably were in need of a quarterback, in need of a savior. They looks like they may have gotten it. How surprised have you been, or if you've been surprised by his progress, quick progress as a pro?
3: You know, I think you know the ability for him. You know, his work ethic is unbelievable, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that he's gotten better so quick quickly. You know, coming off that knee surgery, I don't think anyone knew. You know how that was going to go. I mean, that was that could have been a career ender at that point, point. Uh, and be able to come back and and have the the confidence in that need to do some things. I think is is unreal, um, and it's a surprise. You know, I, I think you know because of the of the team he went to, the lack of success they've had throughout the years, the fact he was you know getting beat on pretty good early earlier on in that rookie season. You know, would he be able to survive? And, you know, there's been games this year, like you said, just a few weeks ago, you know, nine sacks and still win a ball game That's unheard of. You don't do things like that. Uh, but, again, it goes back to the, the kid's toughness. And, you know, being a coach's kid, growing up in a coaching environment and football environment all his life, you know, had big older brothers that probably beat on him, I would say, you know, in the backyard some. Uh, but, again, I, it goes back to his commitment to excellence that is just off the charts. And, you know, now you look, you know, a few days away and he's going to be in the biggest game of his life.
1: Right. Well, you know, Dan, you were talking about the basketball part of it. Coach Matt Combs, of course, uh, you know, is a pretty doggone good coach up there. at a County. success. Too, right, yes. exactly. And uh, he, his, a couple of his teams actually did beat Burrow freshman and sophomore years. I'm not sure whether it was every game and lost to him uh, when Burrow was a junior and senior. He thought that even with burrow specializing in football and just playing basketball on the side he was good enough to be at least a division two player in basketball oh i I, don't question right no question and but he thought there would have been a division even though he had ability and he could shoot he could shoot the three very well he thought that the two leading qualities that he had as an athlete were both intangibles his competitiveness and his intelligence and I'm guessing that that goes through the
3: football side too. Oh, yeah. there There's no doubt. And, again, and we, we see that on Sunday afternoons. And, you know, people talk about being cocky. Well, you know, it's just an overwhelming confidence in your ability. And I think if you're going to be a leader, especially playing that position, if you don't have a little bit of that confidence, you have no shot. And, like, we talked about how do you get players around you better. Well, you better be confident in your abilities if you're expecting people to step up theirs. They, buy and in. they bought And they bought in. And I think, again, it goes back to good leaders can make people around them better players, and probably one of the biggest reasons they're in the
2: Super Bowl. Well, when we, before we leave college, I had a list here. I'm going to bore the audience to death here. <laughs> but, you know, we we did touch on the fact he did win a Heisman Trophy. He has a chance to become only the third quarterback to win a Heisman Trophy and a national championship there. And a Super Bowl. And a Super Bowl. Right, and three. I think it was right. Joe Namath and Roger Stalbeck, or the other only other two. That's pretty unique pretty Mm -hmm. unique on there. But listen to his senior year at LSU. Here's his awards besides the Heisman Trophy, which is the biggest college award you can win. He won the Maxwell Award, the Walter Camp Award, the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award, the Dave O'Brien Award, the Manning Award, the Lombardi Award, the AP College of the Year, Player of the Year Award, the Sporting News Player of the Year Award. He was the 2019 SEC Championship Game MVP. He was a unanimous All-American, and he was the SEC Offensive Player of the Year. What a resume. (laughs) Think of that. That's just an amazing when that list just goes on and on. So what a unique person we're talking about there. Now we go into the pros a little more. It's bingle time. And and you've kept a straight face. When Pete turns and looks at you sideways, do you see the tail that's in the back of that hat? <laughs> well, like I said, I'm trying. You haven't will, said will, anything Will I ever yet? get the
1: chance to wear a, a cap with a tail again? Like I said, I told, I, I did the life insurance thing. Probably not. Okay. You know? <laughs> okay. Although we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll see. Maybe with Joe Burrow, it might be a little, a little different. But I'll ask Coach and a Mr. Morrow a question now. When the playoffs started, I think the Bengals were the favorite against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, all right, because, uh, you know, they were home and, and all. But did you did either of you think that the Bengals would beat the Titans and then the Chiefs? I will tell you straight up, I did not think it would happen.
3: Well, I, I thought it would be a really tall task, especially with Derrick Henry coming back for the Titans, the number one seed. They had a week mm-hmm. off. And typically when you watch NFL – the team that is the fresher team usually wins, and those teams all have buys and play at home, the percentages of them winning are like 80 85%. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, un, it's almost unheard of. And so going into that game, uh, I would, I, no, I didn't think they had much of a shot because, mm-hmm. I mean, historically, you just don't. Mm-hmm. And then to come out and, and, and win that game like they did, and then to play maybe against the best offensive team in the NFL, at home, you know, one of the loudest stadiums in the league, um, and again to be able to do that two weeks in a row, and, and you know, was you know, another yeah. tall task. Have so you, again, I would not, if I was a bet man, uh, I wouldn't have bet them to win either one of those games. I was right. rooting
2: for them, but didn't think they could win it. Right. First playoff game against the Raiders, I thought we got a good chance yeah. because you know what, the, the the quarterback positions become so important in the NFL, in college, in high school, right. you have to have. A person perform at the quarterback spot to be successful you know I said we're better at the quarterback position against the Raiders and you know what the Raiders actually outplayed them right they had more yards they were a little more successful and it took an interception near the the end zone right at the end for us to get the win there but the second game I thought we can beat Tennessee because you know what we're better at quarterback I'll take Burrows over Tannehill anytime We were kind of lucky there. took a deflected pass, or they were probably going to win 19-16 because they were right right within field goal range, but that changed the game. Joe hits a great out there to, I think it was Higgins, and we're right in the middle to Chase, and uh, we're right in the spot for the field goal win and all that. The next week against KC, I said, we're not going to win at KC, and they have the advantage on us at quarterback. And wow, did that change in the second half.
3: Right, it Uh, did. And I think, you know, momentum is a a unique – monster in sports and we tackled
2: them right before halftime right
3: yeah that's a huge you know a huge swing and momentum you get no points they could have blown that thing open and and come out second half and have the ball yeah and for the bengals to be able to stop them on that first possession and actually their next five possessions were punting, but you know, punting situations for them. It gave them a great opportunity to come back and, and play. But it was it was it was a tell two halves. I mean, the, I thought the Chiefs had dominated the first half. The Bengals were just barely hanging on, and then the second half it was a dominant performance
2: Chiefs on both had sides. Four possessions the first half. The first three went right to the end zone for a touchdown, and the fourth one went to the one yard line. That's their only four possessions. They should have scored four touchdowns. They didn't, you know, they only scored three. We're down twenty-one to three in the second half. We started getting three and outs. Our defense picked it up. And, you know, then Joe starts hitting short little passes and also hit the right. big pass to Perrine there out of the backfield. I mean, that's so important to be able to throw to your running backs. Right. And uh Mixon had the big run there <laughs> late after the last interception. And wow, people just that he picked up everybody around him. It felt like, and we were just going to win that game,
3: right? And you, used to, you thought about the mixing kid, the running back. He's pretty good. A couple of years ago, I had taken our, our high school team, our, our you know, Ironman team, to a Bengals practice before COVID, mm-hmm. and just and we were able to be between you and I, us right standing right here next to those players, and they signed autographs. And it was neat. But the, probably the one player that stood out from all those guys was that mixing kid. Yeah. The fact that he was—I mean, he is six-three. Two twenty-five. I mean, built like no other. I mean, I'm thinking there is no way you could pay me any amount of money to stand in front of that kid and try to tackle him. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine how big he really was. And so, I've kind of always been a fan of his just because I've seen him up close and seen his abilities. Um, and he you know, had our a great line doesn't
2: give him a lot of room at times to run but right. he is so strong and yes. takes a beating. And, yeah. you know, he'll occasionally catch that pass, but that was some huge runs last week just to keep right, at, the right ball the in our of hands. Right the the game, and you right. know
1: he's going to run the ball. Yep. And right. in the first half, you know, two yards, uh, one yard or whatever. When it's it's so strange, Coach, and, and you referred to it, the momentum, how it can change. Yep. It's just not the X's and O's. It's something spiritual that happens there, and the game turns. I'm not sure that I can remember a game uh, at least it, it was important as this, where the game changed so much in just one half.
3: Right, right. Because
1: of the way uh, I was watching the first half, I thought, how bad is this going to be? Because they yeah. looked unstoppable.
3: They did. And the fact that you're down 18 points, even though they had to stop at halftime, you're still down 18. Well, at halftime they were down 21-10. 21-10, yeah. But they were down 18 at one point. Right. They are thinking, how are they going to come back? And even at halftime, 21-10, well, if, and they got the ball yeah, back.
2: KC yeah. comes out and goes right down the field again, it's probably game, game over. Right. I mean, it's back to 18. So and three and out. I, I right. remember sitting there with my son going, this is amazing. We got a three and out. We hadn't got him off the field except for on the one-yard line well, before let, that. Let's, let's put Coach
1: in Andy Reid's shoes. Of course, you have the advantage of knowing what happened. Do you kick the field goal at the end of the half to get the sure three? Well, or do I, you go through the jugular?
3: I think he – Either one, but I think in, in, in a situation like that, you can't throw the ball out the flat. You know, the only time Shorter you throw it the out ball there, line. he has to be wide open. I mean, it's one of these you five seconds left. It's a quick shot. You tell your quarterback it's one, two, throw. If it's not there, throw it away, kick the field goal. I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, doubt trying to go for it, but, you know, I, I think in that situation, you gotta be sure, and you gotta come up with points. I think you know. I'm old school; those analytics, I I don't pay attention to any of that stuff. That's beyond me. But um, you know, I know you come up with points, and then you get the ball the second half. You know, analytics points can again. analyze momentum, right? Exactly in the heart. In right. what's going on out there, They're and to the feel what kids can yes. do. And and I think it was a mistake not coming, you know, coming out with nothing, and then the three and out to start the second half. I think Huge. changed the entire complexity mm-hmm. of the game and. Um, it was neat to see. I think a lot of times too, when Bengals fans for years have seen them play big games and play well. And then all of a sudden, there's that collapse. There's that moment. There's that momentum swing. You're like, oh, same old situation. Here we go again. And I think. In that first half, probably a lot of Bengals fans thought the same thing. Well, we're down 18. Here we we're go over again. Our <laughs> over our heads. It was a great run. Went Maybe won, one game too visualizing many. Visualizing <laughs>
2: 37 to 14, take our beating and yeah. be proud of where we're at. Right. right? Well, and, w-
1: wow. Whether it was a, a strategic mistake uh, by Mahomes to make that pass or whatever, what about the tackle by Eli Apple at the one-yard line? Very and, sure tackle. I know that we're talking not about a, a big guy. We're talking he, about an
2: ex-Buckeye that gets critique quite a bit throughout mm-hmm, the year, but right. that's going to go down as one of the very big plays. If he doesn't make that to, tackle. In that whole game. Right. And thank right. you, Eli. Yeah.
3: Cool. That's true.
2: Right. That's
1: true. Well, Coach, look, let me ask you this. I, I don't know how much of a pro football fan you are. I know you, you pay attention to the games because you love football, but are the L.A. Rams on paper – are they the best team the Bengals have taken on so far, even better than the Chiefs?
3: You know, that's that's tough to call because I think the Chiefs probably had the best offense in the NFL. Defense maybe you know, skeptic at times. It would be one of the best defenses they've played. You know, you, they, they've they traded for a lot of big names you know, at every level, whether it be D-line, linebacker, secondary. Um you know, I think like we they talked sold about, out to this year. Right. You know, the fact that, yeah, this is this is win now mentality. We're not going to win through the draft. We're not going to try to work out picking the first round for about five years. Right. <laughs> no, because but they, they knew went, they were going to host right.
1: the Super Bowl. I think that made a difference. Yeah. Right.
3: That they wanted their to stadium get, to get it now. And, um, you know, it's going to be a tall task. I mean, Again, you're playing a team at home. You know, they get a, they get to sleep in their own beds all these next two weeks. They practice in the same practice facilities. They get a warm up. You know, they're going to be in their own locker room. Uh, Even though they're the way team, the, the visiting team this year, I I heard yesterday, they're going to they're gonna still keep their home locker room, which, I mean, that's an advantage too because we're all creatures of habit as athletes and as coaches. We want to do the same things all the time. So as a coach, he, you know, they get to sleep in their own bed at night. They get to go to the same restaurants and eat. You know, they get to see in the meeting. Their meeting rooms are the same. I think that's a huge advantage, you know, since they're going to have to take a day to travel, which I think was today, uh, or no, it have been a couple of days ago. No, they flew there. in
2: today. Oh, they? they just flew in today. It, and another little – it's a little thing, but the Cincinnati players just left about 10 days of a lot of single-digit or teen temperatures to go out there where it's about 80 degrees as a high every day. Right. That's going to be a change. Yeah. And they they've got to, to get that, accustomed to the weather To change. the weather
3: and time change and everything mm-hmm. else. But, uh, you know, so there are some advantages there that the Rams have. But I think, you know, at this point in time, you know, these guys, I mean it's you know, the best of the best.
2: And you know Uzama for- said it the best. They said, Are you gonna play? They carried him off in the KC game and their tight end says, I'm not missing the biggest game of my life. So he's gonna be out there some way, shape, or form. You know, he right. had a strained MCL or whatever, but he you know, that's the feeling they have and you only maybe get one shot at this in your career. Right. We right. hope they have more coming. Right. we think Joe can get us more coming, but you never know. Like right. I said, I, was, I watched this game in 1989, the Super Bowl, which was the 88 season, 89 Super Bowl, with my son, who was four years old at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm certainly going to watch this one because, as Pete said, who knows what your next opportunity is right. to get to do this as Bengal fans. But I do want to say my grandson, I, I've done this for uh, the Brown family. He's become a diehard Bengal fan this year. <laughs> he likes Joe Burrow. He had a Joe Burrow jersey for Christmas last year. Where's that with pride? This year Santa was really good and brought him a Jamar Chase and a T. Higgins jersey. Oh wow. So he he's got all really three. So he is set. He he got to see two Bengal games this year, the Green Bay overtime loss that mm-hmm. we, they barely want him, but he was there for the Baltimore win, which was huge. So oh, yeah. he's a diehard. So we've got another we've got another generation of those Bengal fans coming well, up. If you want him to go to the Super Bowl, Dan, I know you're a doting grandfather.
1: Low end, low end ticket four thousand five hundred dollars. High end ticket fifty five thousand. I got offered
2: the other day from a friend eleven thousand dollars for two oh, tickets. Oh, that's a, that's a deal. He wanted cash because he doesn't want to have to fool with the taxes mm-hmm. part of it there. <laughs> yes, but it, he's a season ticket holder, and I said, well, I appreciate it, but right. I think I'll pass and we'll watch it at home. Okay, there.
1: That's a little a little cheaper. Yeah, a little and chipper. that
2: doesn't include hotel, flight, and meals. Right. Exactly. And at L A. at L A. Yeah. and the, every hotel room probably within a Five hundred miles is three times more. Right. It would be a, it'd be an expensive venture, but I think they'll fill it up.
3: Well, you know, one of my assistant coaches, Adam Jones, who is a season ticket holder, he's he a diehard Bengals fan wow. too. So after the game, he, that we have a group, great text, for dad. Yeah, a group text. Yeah, uh, group text with all our coaches, and we're texting the game. So when they win, you know, I said, "Well, Adam, yeah. you, you're going to get your Super Bowl tickets. I mean, you're diehard." And um, his response was, well, if it wasn't in L.A., I may try to do that. But I know, you know, flying out there and the, just the price of living out there is outrageous, but now out it's yes. the Super Bowl. But I know that, you know, he was a very uh, proud individual,
2: uh, you know, after that game as well. Yeah, well, we, You know, when we go back this many years, it, at one point, and it was right after that 89 Super Bowl loss to the 49ers, the last second touchdown that the 49ers had, how close was Lewis Breeden to knocking down that? Pass? So close, so close. We've all <laughs> still, seen those still highlights. see that in my
1: in my nightmares. <coughs> yeah, that
2: doggone Montana guy was very lucky, wasn't he? Yeah, for about a decade they yeah. beat us twice yeah. in the eighties. Yeah, he
1: was he was good.
2: Besides that game, yes, yeah. it was pretty good. But uh, my son, who coaches a little basketball here, I'll give him a plug there, and we're going to have a game here in just a short amount of time. Where I mean tonight and to, and. Wednesday and this week he's got a lot of basketball games going but he's a diehard Bengals fan but at one time right after that in 1990 was the last year the Bengals were in the playoffs they went 14 straight years with no playoff appearances and he looked at me once says dad why do we do this <laughs> good question <laughs> you know and yeah. you know, I say you can't be a bandwagon you got to bandwagon fans you can't do that you got to stay with them that will get better son it will get better and so he's seen a lot of the bad and a little bit of the good but- right all we'll right. be there. We'll be cheering. Three generations are going to be cheering on the Bengals on Sunday uh, night. We don't
1: have a lot of time left. We'll stay on the topic of football. But, Dan, we've got to talk about uh, Coach Hall here being in the North-South game. Yes. Uh, coming up uh, this summer or this with spring. With a player. Right. And, and Grant, Grant special
2: will be special there award
1: uh, with, got. with Coach Hall playing for the South team, I'm sure. Right. But, Coach, tell us about that. And it must be a great honor to be selected to be a coach uh, with some of the other
3: great coaches and for grant of course to get a chance to participate well this is a great example we tell our players that individual success only comes with team success you know if we're five and five i'm not being chosen to coach in the north south game um so you know that it all trickles down to that i very honored you know this is my third year uh, third opportunity to coach in the game the first two years were great experiences we won both games one we played at the horseshoe and the last year we played at university of dayton now this year is at paul brown stadium there in Maslin, ohio um april 30th is april 30th. the a- okay. afternoon the saturday afternoon game but it's, it is a great honor you're seeing some of the greatest players in, in high school this year playing against one another uh, a lot of these kids are going off to play college football um you know, I, I, I can think about just in the last the last year I, I did this, there there are still three kids playing in the NFL that came off our all-star team. So, you know, that's something we had a banquet to last week uh, for those kids and introduced them to the to the media. And one of the things that one of the head coaches talked about is that there'll be someone on this team, either on the north, or south team, that'll be playing in the NFL. They, they they gave a list the other day of all the kids that have played in the NFL from this game. It's seventy-five kids. So you know, you just don't know who that may be at the time. Uh, I met our players, like I said, last week at the luncheon, and they're excited about the opportunity. Uh, I get to coach defense uh, this time around, and it, it's a lot of fun with coach the inside linebackers and going to call the defense for the game. But in uh, the game, of course, up for offensive performances. But uh, it is an honor. I'm very happy to represent Jackson in, in this game. Grant Masson, who, again, defensive player of the year in our district, Uh Two time Ohio participant, uh, yeah, had a great he, he career. He has the
2: DQ abilities. He does. He yeah, does. He does. He, we, we interviewed him the other night at a basketball game at mm-hmm. halftime. And you know yeah. how you and I, 10 minutes is not long enough for us to talk at right. basketball. Well, right. same thing with him. The young man's special. And he is. I love and to be around him. I tell you, he, at, at the
3: dinner we had, the banquet, he won the Art Tyner Award, yes. which is for a lot of people that don't understand. It's probably the next best award next to Mr. Football in the state of Ohio. Uh, Only one kid in the state gets it. Uh, It typically goes to a Mr. Football or probably the best player in the state. And for Grant to be one of the best players in the state, but also a great human being. The the speech he gave, and I've been to these banquets every year, was almost a Joe Joe Burrow type speech. I mean, he got a standing ovation. I had a tear in my eye, and it came from the heart. He had nothing written down. He just spoke, and he talked about no the fact that one of his you know, things that he does, and that's his foundation for the you know, Tackle for Tots, where he donated a pair of shoes for every tackle he had since his sophomore year. Well, he's had over 600 pairs of shoes donated. Again, high school kids, who does that? And – Uh, The fact that he talked about how the poverty level in Southern Ohio being twice the the, the percentages they are in in the rest of the country and the fact he wanted to do something for his community that supported him so so much and. You can compare that to a a Joe Burrow, you know, a game changer, a guy Mm -hmm. that makes everyone else around him. You know, he's still in our weight room now because, again, he's preparing for the north-south game, a possible Mm -hmm. opportunity to play college football. So he's lifting with us every morning still. And he's going to those freshmen or those eighth graders that are in the weight room now, and he's teaching them what it's – what it has to, you know, what they need to be able to do to to perform at a great level, and he is a role model for those young kids. He's telling them, "This is how we do it. This is the expectations. of How when we come in this weight room, this is what is expected every day." Coach Hall doesn't have to tell you this; I'm telling you this. And those kids look up to him. And, and again, he's a special kid. And to to win that award, it, it was unbelievable. Uh, but again, he's a game changer, and I'm well, very proud of him. His ability and
1: the stats all speak for themselves. The awards do. But when I think of him. And I know football is a physical game, but his intensity. Right. It's just his his motor is going. And you can see he just loves to play linebacker and hit people.
3: He does. And but off the field, he's the he's the nicest kid you ever want to meet. He's a yes, sir, no no, sir, yes man, yes. no man guy. He's that he's, way. He is very soft spoken. Uh he just—he just a really nice kid. He's not a kid that you would think plays middle linebacker and is is, is leading the state of Ohio in categories. I mean, he just absolutely is the most intense. When he gets on the football field, he's one of the most intense guys I've ever coached. But then off the field, he's just a normal kid and. Um, is so kind to people and respects, you know, his coaches, his teachers, his, you know, the people that are in leadership roles. He's an old school kid when it comes to that. Oh. And so he was very deserving of that honor.
2: He's one of those kids. We've been blessed with so many great kids. We have through our system. We right. have great kids at Jackson and, uh, you know, think so many of them, but he's one of those special ones. And he's the kind of kid he's going to go and be so successful mm-hmm. in his life. So I would say if you were a business owner, you better hire Grant right now before he hires you right because at some point he is going to do something special in this world he
3: is he's an upper echelon kid and i've been very blessed in those 13 years of coaching so many kids that you know again we don't get the awards that we've received we don't have the records that we have without great talent and he's one of those kids that you know in four years of playing varsity football you know three conference championships four playoff appearances you know two time all all-state performer, you know, led the area and tackles two out of his four years, led us and tackles three of the four years. I mean, that doesn't just come as an accident. And no. so, you know, he's a big part of what we've done in the last four years. All right. Well, uh, I think we've about used up our time here on
1: this Friday morning show of uh, the Main Street Morning, morning TV show. Coach, we want to thank you for taking your time. We know you're very busy with the teaching and the basketball coaching. <laughs> it's got a big game uh, so, Saturday, right, right. seventh grade team. It, it, yeah. Exactly, and and Dan, uh, we thank you for being here. And you and have you it. you have the truly, and a pun intended. You have the stripes to be here. You've so been thank a, you. A, you've been a <laughs> fan you. all the way I've since them. Since, <laughs> since the Bengals were around in 1968. So uh, we wish the Bengals the best. Coach, once again,
0: before we get out of here, why don't you tell everyone where they can listen to the game at?
1: Oh, oh, yes. okay, yes. In addition to television on the local side, uh, you can listen to the radio broadcast. What which station is it on, James?
0: Ninety seven point seven. The Bowl, America's best country.
1: WCJO. So, you know, if you're one of those that don't want to hear the TV commentators, you can turn on the radio and watch the watch the TV at the same time or if you're happen to be out in the car or whatever, not in a a position to actually see the game in the living room, you can see it on, or you can hear it on 97.7 WCJO FM. So one last question for Dan and Andy. Oh, make us do a prediction. Oh, yes. That's what was happening. You could see it.
2: Will the Bengals win? Will the Rams win? And what's the score? Uh, If the Bengals win, the Bengals can win close. But they could also lose by not so close. But let's go with 27-24, to 24, Bengal win. Okay. Another last-second field goal third time in four games. Well, Evan McPherson can do it. He's All not right. bad. Okay. Pretty special young man, he too. Right.
3: Um, right. I'll take the Bengals. I think it'd be, again, uh, uh, you know, a 34-27. I think it'd be a high-scoring game. I think if you're gambling on this, I think you take the over uh, on the point spread. Um I think it, again it all boils down to that defensive line can the Bengals block the front four if they can get pressure on Burroughs, I think like you said it could get ugly if he um, has his feet under him yes he'll find his receivers he'll get it but that's the big if play it's a big if you know he can stay healthy they have a great chance to win the game
1: all right okay I'm going to take the Bengals 30 to 27 because I believe <laughs> all right well everybody thank you very much for joining us uh in addition to uh, the live broadcast uh, uh, on this Friday morning, uh, this uh, show will be put on the Main Street TV Facebook page. You can watch it anytime. Once again, thanks to Coach Hall and thanks to Dan Morrow for being with us tonight. Good morning, everybody.